0: This coming Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, celebration of the outpouring of the Spirit of God on the new church. So we're going to be talking about the Spirit uh, tonight, and I'm going to be preaching about the Spirit on Sunday. We just had a sermon on baptism in the Holy Spirit, so uh, kind of a theme going on here a little bit. I don't think we can ever learn enough about the Holy Spirit. It's very important. Of course, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the infilling, the baptism, if you will, of the Holy Spirit and uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit and all kinds of uh, emphasis on the Holy Spirit. So uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. If I were to give this a title, uh, it would be the Spirit and the Godhead, and tonight I'm going to just lay some very basic groundwork, a a, a foundation, if you will, on the Holy Spirit, who or what is the Holy Spirit, and some incorrect thinking about the Holy Spirit, and then some things that uh, correct those thinking that uh, add information to us. So I want to talk about that tonight. Uh, the study of or Christian theology concerned with the spirit is called pneumatology and you spell that P-N-E-U M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y pneumatology to break that word down ology means the study of pneuma is both a Greek has both a Greek connotation as well as a Hebrew connotation and they both mean the same thing they mean wind or breath both of those uh, do so this is the study of the wind or the breath of god What's okay interesting because pneumatics is about air yes pneumatics is about air so pneumonia affects the lungs lung. so you have that greek uh term not so much the hebrew because it's a a different sounding uh word but Those two meaning the same thing. I found very interesting that both the Old Testament and the New Testament have the same connotation of the the root words that mean either wind or breath of God. I have to give credit where credit is due. I am currently studying a book called The Holy Spirit, a Pentecostal perspective. So what I will be teaching is not Everyone's perspective, but it is particularly a Pentecostal perspective. And the book is written by Anthony Palma. And actually, this gentleman was Bishop Rayburn's uh, seminary professor. And he gave me the book. I'm just now getting around to studying it, and it's excellent. So, uh, we're going to do some uh, studying on the Holy Spirit, as we have said. Now, it reads like a textbook. It is very, very, very deep. And I was joking with Bishop Rayburn because the first seven chapters, there's hardly any writing in black. He's highlighted almost everything in the first seven (laughs) chapters uh, because they are just that deep and that good. So really, the question that these first few chapters ask is, who or what is the holy spirit now let me tell you that the first apostolic or baby church the uh, if you will the early church did not ask this question this question did not come up until two or three hundred years into uh, christianity i wonder if it's because it's like kind of like why would we study something that We've seen in action, right? Uh, but this is this this is not a question that was asked. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Until you get about three hundred years into Christianity, and the reason why that question starts to be asked is because, uh, just like the Bible declares, there were false teachers and false prophets and just incorrect thinking about the Holy Spirit, and so this became a question. When you, when you study uh, the history of Christianity, which I took a few semesters ago, this is a question that we talked about. So uh, it's very interesting uh, to kind of rehash some of those. So some of the leaders in the church in particular, they were saying that the Holy Spirit was created by the Son of God. And of course, that is a total denial of the Trinity, uh, which we believe in the Trinity. Matter of fact, I think that's on your questions. If I were to say, describe or give me a definition of the Trinity, what would you say? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the basics. Three. Three in one. Any other things that you would say about the Trinity? The only other thing that is in this definition is that God exists eternally in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it is an eternal state of God that he is in this one God, but three persons. And we've, we've talked about that in the past, but uh, it is because the Holy Spirit is considered the third person of the Trinity, we need to understand a little bit about uh, the Trinity. The scripture teach us that the Holy Spirit is a personal being. And that word is very important to remember as we study tonight sometimes we are guilty of calling the holy spirit it the holy spirit is not an it the holy spirit is the person one of the persons of god so uh, it is a personal being if you will Uh, and instead we should call the holy spirit he or the holy spirit or however you want to do that but The reason why I say he is because Jesus actually referred to the Holy Spirit as he. Some Christians misunderstand the Spirit and refer to it either as an it. Uh, I've heard people jokingly say that they caught the Holy Spirit or caught it or something like that. That obviously that is, uh, there's some confusion about the Holy Spirit. Why would there be confusion about the Holy Spirit? Any ideas? The devil wants you to have confusion. I, amen. That is very true. Why else would there? I mean, just kind of think about the Holy Spirit. Well, why would there not be? Why would there be confusion? believe in something you can't see. It's hard to what? Believe in something you can't see. Believe in something you can't see. So this spiritual aspect of the Holy Spirit, right? You you, you can't see, touch. I'm not going to say you can't feel. Uh, (laughs) Because we we can feel the Holy Spirit move. uh, And we see the results of the Holy Spirit moving. Part of it too is that of all of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned the least. And that's in your questions. The least of all of the Godhead. And so naturally, people are going to have questions about. The Holy Spirit because it is mentioned The least in the Bible uh, so, you, so you see that And As we just said the, the word spirit suggests The absence of personhood Because we think of a spirit As like a Ghost or something Along that nature that you can't Necessarily see It's hard to ascribe Personhood to something that you Can't see is Bill was just talking about. Uh, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the in the Word, we hear God speak and we hear Jesus speak, but do we actually hear the Holy Spirit speak? Let me answer that later. Okay. Good question. Good That's question. why I would think he would be not okay. as prominent. Mm-hmm. Right, but. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not in the same... I would, let me just pre-answer that, but maybe not in the same connotation that we right. see the Father or the Son, right. but the Holy Spirit does speak. Yeah. And so the, the word even declares that he speaks. But it is different. The other thing may be that because uh, one of the most familiar scriptures, as a matter of fact, I've been preaching and teaching from this over the past little bit, is the verse in Acts 1-8 that tells us, but you shall receive what? power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you so many times when we think of power we don't think of a person we think of a force not necessarily we, we might not because, but that's one of the reasons why there's confusion is because people can look and say oh this is a power it's not it's an inanimate thing it's not a personal thing that's what people can think So these are some of the reasons why uh, people may have some confusion. But what we do know is that when Jesus was talking about you shall receive power, that he didn't stop there. He ascribed that power to the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So what Jesus was really saying there is that once the Holy Spirit has come in all of its fullness into your life, then that is the person of the Holy Spirit that will give you the power, not some inanimate per- power that you can't ascribe to anything, but is literally the person of the Holy Spirit that gives you power. These are things, and I think we need to know some of these things because How many besides me has ever been asked a question about the Holy Spirit when they find out you're Pentecostal? Hands, shaking their heads, all kinds of things. Because there's not a lot of basic teaching about the Holy Spirit. And we probably, not probably, we should do more teaching on the Holy Spirit since we are Pentecostal and we have more to say about that. The fourth reason is that Sometimes the Bible uses figures of speech to describe the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one and you tell me some of the others. Sometimes the Bible describes the Holy Spirit in a form of water. What what other things is fire da, da, da. a dove Oil. wind small still voice. <laughs> small still voice. Uh, I think we said wind, water, fire, a dove. Uh, and the problem is this, with this is that those figures of speech don't give us the understanding that this is a person of the Holy Spirit. It actually makes us think of inanimate things like water or fire or something like that. So that's the reason why there can be even more confusion on Who is the Holy Spirit? The purpose of those things are to actually help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. How many knows if I can describe something, a person or a thing by using another thing, it helps us understand it better. If I say the Holy Spirit is like a dove or descended like a dove, then it gives us kind of an understanding of okay there's a presence there uh, but it's different it's not like a human presence so it's a, a presence so the reason why those figures or speaks are in the bible are to help us but sometimes if we don't study it actually makes us more confused or can make people not us necessarily more confused about who the holy spirit is there are some proofs in the Bible about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing uh, that I want to say, the first thing is that the Holy Spirit possesses personal attributes. So the Holy, Holy Spirit possesses personal attributes that are associated with the mind, the will, and the emotions. Did you know the Holy Spirit has some human-like characteristics? Actually, we have some God-like characteristics, if you want to get truthful about it, because we were created in God's image and His likeness. And That's why we have human emotions. That's why we have a mind and a will, because we were created in the likeness of God. Does um, anybody got the Bibles with them? Because there's so much scripture here, and I'd like to... At least read some of them. Can somebody get Romans 8:27?: okay. Bill's got it. I need another person to get 1 Corinthians 210 10 through 11. Yeah. Okay, Donna's got that. We're talking about the Holy Spirit possessing personal attributes like the wind, not the wind, the mind, the will and the emotions. We don't think about the Holy Spirit like this. So, what does Romans 8.28 say, Bill? 8.28? 8.27, I'm sorry. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So that speaks about the Holy Spirit, says it has the mind of the Spirit. That's a personal attribute, right? And it said something else in there that I think is a personal attribute. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God?
1: He understands, right? There's an understanding of the
0: searches our hearts. Yes, that's what I was looking for. First Corinthians 2, 10, 11. Read that, uh, Donna. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so now knows the things of God except the Spirit of God so what does this say that the Holy Spirit that there is intellectual activity of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit knows what he knows everything, well, he knows everything but it says that knows the deep things of God right uh, so this is talking about the personhood and the reason why we have to establish that the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it is because this is a relationship thing, right? The Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. The other thing that the Holy Spirit does, how many of those are gifts of the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say that the, spirit, the job of the Spirit is to do? To distribute those gifts to the saints. So here is the Holy Spirit, not an inanimate force, but a personal part of the Godhead who says, I'm going to give to Kay this particular gift of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to give to Linda this other gift of the Holy Spirit. Not that we can't act to be active in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts. So this is a person of the Holy Spirit. So there's... Why am I saying this? Because the Holy Spirit has intellectual activity going on. Later on, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. Uh, so there are actions. So not only do people... We said that the Holy Spirit... Uh, has a mind a will and what else did i say and emotions so we're going to talk about some of those things a mind and a will if you have a will you do certain things how many knows that you don't have to teach a child to misbehave because they have what a will right God gave us all a will. It's actually one of the attributes of God. Because God has a will. And God acts upon his will. And God determines what he's going to do, and we don't tell him what to do. We might ask in prayer and faith, believing, but we don't tell God what to do. So as as we look at this, there's a ton of things here. And I'm not going to get every, I'm not going to have you look up every one of them, but I want to hear a lot of them. Somebody open up your Bible to Genesis. I'm going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 6. Who's got Genesis? Bill's got Genesis. Somebody be in the book of John. Who wants the book of John? Till, yeah. <laughs> you got, I know your name. You got the John. Who wants, uh, there's a couple verses there. Who wants the book of Romans? Okay, he's got Romans. There's a couple verses there. Who wants the book of Acts? You got Acts, okay. Who wants the book of Hebrews? Don, you got Hebrews, all right? And that'll do for right now. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is a a part of the Godhead and he does things, he acts. Genesis 1-2 earth was without form and void the darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the water here we see that the holy spirit is activated at creation so the holy spirit can create it's a part of the godhead he was involved in the creation the holy spirit matter of fact this past week when james was uh, giving his talk about studying the Bible. What did he say? The Holy Spirit was sitting there waiting, hovering until God spoke and then he moved and he created. So the Holy Spirit creates. John 3, 5. Now there's other verses that go with these, but I'm not going to give you all of them. Well, there's another one in, in Genesis. Yes, there is. You want it? Go ahead and say it. Well, in, in verse 26, and God said, let us... Make man in our image Yes, so that's a conversation With the Trinity Right? So who has John 3, 5? Kim? Jesus answered Most assuredly I say to you Unless one is born of water And the spirit He cannot enter the kingdom of God Okay, so you must be born of what? Spirit Of the spirit So the Holy Spirit has a creation or regeneration activity in salvation. The Holy Spirit regenerates or creates us into a new creature in Christ. It's part of the process. Genesis, again, 6-3. So we're, we're discovering that and we already know this, but I think it's good to see what does the Holy Spirit do? And I have several times in teaching said I need to do a study on the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Genesis 6-3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Okay. So the spirit does what? He strives with men, right? So the spirit works with men, right? He's striving with men. He said he won't do it forever, (laughs) but maybe 120 years, right? Was well, this forever mm-hmm. well he said it will not strive forever oh okay yeah that no. was, when that man collapses. it was, it was yes so there's an end to the Holy Spirit at some point but I'm glad it hasn't stopped right the Holy Spirit is still striving with us what does that mean to strive works with us works in us works corrects us Huh? Fights against our flesh. Against our flesh. Good. Uh, it's like a, I get, when I, say, when I hear the word strive, it makes me think of a tug of war. So the Holy Spirit, aren't you glad the Holy Spirit does that? Yeah, because if not, if not, humans could have the tendency to be like a bunch of lemmings and just follow everybody right off the cliff, right? But the Holy Spirit's striving with us, saying, don't go there, don't do this, come this way, not that way, right? So the Holy Spirit is striving with men. John sixteen 8. I'll give you a second to find that. So this is one of the, in my opinion, although the Holy Spirit does a whole lot, one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does. And okay. So the Holy Spirit does what? Convicts of sin. We should be very thankful that the person, not just an inanimate force, but the person of the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin. Now, I to this day cannot tell you what sin I had in my heart at seven years old, but I felt like I needed to repent. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of whatever sin that was. I don't remember now. So, the job of the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs is to convict, another way is to say, convince us of our need for God and for a Savior, right? So, that's important. Romans 8, 26. And the person who has Acts will be in Acts 8, 29 same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express Okay, so the holy spirit intercedes for us isn't that awesome i mean we don't really understand the fullness of the holy spirit I, i mean just that when we think about the holy spirit If we don't watch it as Pentecostal people and power, you know, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a tendency to think of just the power side of that and just the goosebumps that we might feel and how good we feel when the Spirit's moving in the service. But the Spirit of God is praying for us, interceding for us. That's amazing. The person of the Godhead the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. So we see that the Holy Spirit begins, when we look at all these things, begins to take on a very personal role with us. And I think that's very necessary for us to see. Acts 8 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chair. Mm. Can. A person and the natural run over and attach themselves to a chariot that's moving. <laughs> We're talking about the Holy Spirit has miraculous power. He does miracles. And he, sometimes those miracles, he uses us in those miracles, which is really amazing. Just doesn't do it sometimes just by himself. Yeah. I think one of the most amazing things about God is that he chooses to use us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very humbling in my opinion. And he knew that he was reading from Isaiah and he knew to send Philip, he directed yep. Philip not only miraculously to get there, but yeah. at an appointed time for that person. Yeah. And through the Spirit, he gives him the testimony that leads him to the point of salvation. Uh, You see how the Holy Spirit is working, and we haven't even hit all of the things that the Holy Spirit does. The person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go back there. Romans 1, 3, and 4. And the person who had John, you're going to be in John 16, 13. Now, if you want my notes, I can print them there are multiple places where we see the personhood of the Holy Spirit acting in a certain way. Not just the one scripture that I'm giving you for this, but multiple. So if you want that, I can print those and give those to you. To me, it really excites me. Romans 1, 3 and 4, what does it say? Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was the descendant of David, and who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of god by his resurrection from the dead jesus christ our lord so the spirit is involved in the resurrection of christ he's in that he's involved in that the spirit is involved in the raising of the dead john sixteen thirteen. guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Okay, so the Holy Spirit speaks. Yes. Says it twice there that he speaks. Yes. Now, I, I agree with you. It's not like what we see God or Jesus speak, because typically, as Kay said, the Holy Spirit is speaking internally to us, to our heart, to our mind. Let me just say this because I feel like I need to say this. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and the more open we are to that, the more He will do that. At times, I'm amazed how the Lord will speak to me, the Spirit of God will speak to me. (sighs) That might make people not want to talk to me, but show me things that a person is dealing with, and I'm not talking about big sins or anything like that, but just this person's depressed. This person has anxiety. This person, and the whole, and as if we allow it and we and we use that information to pray for people or to speak with them and to encourage them, then the Spirit will do it more. The more obedient we are, the more useful we are in the kingdom. I mean, I hate said that way, but it's true. Because if you want God to use you, then act when he tells you to do something. In the small things, things, yes. I'm going to pick on Linda because I remember telling this story. I remember her telling a story about she was supposed to come up and pray for somebody or talk to somebody. And she said, Lord, if that's really you, you have this person go up and talk to them and pray for them. And she missed out on a blessing because that person did exactly (laughs) But if we are receptive to the, hear me, the person of the Holy Spirit, not some outside force, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to us and speaks to us and says, do this, say this, go here. And so that's the way the Holy Spirit works. It's the person of the Holy Spirit who talks to us. I didn't ask anybody to get Luke. Somebody get Luke. Terry, you got Luke. And who, who else? And, I, and Kim had John, right? John 15, 26. Terry, you're Luke 12, 12. All of these are establishing... What do people do? People do things. People work. The personhood of the Holy Spirit works. When Jesus was on the earth... So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pull this in for you. When Jesus was on the earth... He said, my Father works, therefore, I work. If Jesus is working, the Holy Spirit's working. Is the person of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives? Uh, Luke 12, 12, what does that say? For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour on what you ought to say. So what's the job? What's the one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit? Teach, teach us what to say. Teach us what to say. Teach us what to say. Wow. How many ever bypassed the Holy Spirit and said what you wanted to say? But if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then he'll teach us what to say. Jesus told his disciples to go out and to not necessarily plan what you're going to say whenever you're confronted or you're persecuted, But that the Holy Spirit would give you the words to say. That's why you should pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you when you even go out and do personal evangelism. Yes. The Holy Spirit will guide you what to say to that person. Yes, it will. So you might have this testimony memorized, this scripture memorized, and if you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, sometimes He'll just mix it all up. And the person will ask you a question that you didn't necessarily have written out that you wanted to say, and you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Yes, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, like, for instance, when I'm preparing a sermon. Sunday when you went off book. Yeah, when I went off book or when I went off notes or whatever. There's times even when I am preparing a sermon that I'm writing and I'm in a flow and then I'll just look back at it and go, "Whoo, that was good. And I'm not talking about me. That's the Holy Spirit that was good because I didn't have that. I'm not that smart. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, So, and you don't have to amen on that. But anyway. uh, (laughs) But the Holy Spirit teaches us. But in order to be taught, we must be receptive. How do we work with the Holy Spirit? How do we become receptive to the Holy Spirit? Number one, humility, right? Number two, I I don't know if my mom told me this or my dad or somebody told me you should pray before you take a test at school. But if you haven't studied it, the Holy Spirit can't bring it back to your mind. So the same thing with the Word of God, right? If you've never read it and you've never studied it, there's no way that the Holy Spirit is gonna bring that back to your recollection because you haven't put it in, right? Now, I've had the Holy Spirit in talking with people or preaching or whatever, just boom, and I'm like, man, it has been a long time since I read that, but it just flowed out, right? So if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and to guide us, because teaching, I don't know how you teach, but there's a reason why I have interaction because when I was at work at Sylvania And they were teaching me how to do something on the computer They would drive for a little while And then they'd say, you drive, right? You know what I'm talking about Because until you become activated You don't really learn John fifteen twenty six. what else does the Holy Spirit do? But when the Helper comes Whom I shall send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. He will testify. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. I thought we were supposed to testify. You are, right? But the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Go ahead, Bill. You you want to say something? I think it means He reaffirmed who Jesus was. Yes, absolutely. And... Always points to Jesus. Always points to Jesus. Because Jesus is the saving part of the Godhead, I should say, the person of the Godhead that we need for salvation. So the Holy Spirit testifies of him. Did you know that people sometimes come to Christ without someone else testifying to them? I have heard of stories in Iran, Iraq, over in the Middle East where people had a dream about Jesus. I believe that was a Holy Spirit dream. And it led them to Jesus. And they converted without anybody testifying to them except for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. Did you know that you can offend the Holy Spirit Again, we're talking about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Because an inanimate being is not offended. An inanimate power is not offended, but the person of the Holy Spirit can be offended. Acts 7.51, I'm not going to make you guys look it up because I'm going to run out of time if I do. Acts 7.51, what did Stephen say to his persecutors? He charged them with resisting the Holy Spirit you can resist or people can resist the Holy Spirit. And it offends the Holy Spirit when we resist Him. We need to be obedient and reactive, or react properly to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us so that we don't resist Holy Spirit. We're only supposed to resist the devil, not the Holy Spirit, right? We're supposed to resist the devil and he'll flee from us, right? Except we like to leave out the first part of that Which says draw nigh to God He'll draw nigh to you Resist the devil And he'll flee Because it's in the drawing nigh to God That we're able to have the power To resist the devil Did you know you can lie to the Holy Spirit Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit That's what Peter accused him of You don't want to go there God struck him down dead relying lying to the Holy Spirit who can offend the Holy Spirit you can grieve the Holy Spirit Ephesians 430 Paul admonishing admonishes Christians not to grieve the Holy Spirit how could you grieve the Holy Spirit well blasphemy definitely that's a sin uh, for sure which we'll probably talk about a little bit later on but how can you uh, grieve the Holy Spirit rejecting rejecting him not being obedient mostly in not being obedient right Uh, because the Holy Spirit will drive us persuade us ask us to do certain things and if we oh I can't do that can I tell you something God created you and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you So who are we to tell the Holy Spirit that we can't do something? I mean, it doesn't even even make sense, does it? I know that we are humble and we feel like we can't do it. But here's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in is when we take that first step and we say, okay, I'm going to take that first step, God, and if you don't meet me, it's going to fall flat. And it's not going to happen. How many has the Holy Spirit ever failed anybody? No, no, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can blaspheme the Holy Spirit that's Matthew 12 32, uh, which is sinning against the Holy Spirit. It is, I don't know that I'm prepared to talk about that, but if you have questions uh, about that, that's fine. Uh, essentially, blaspheming the Holy Spirit is calling a work of the Holy Spirit, a work of the devil, especially if you have known the Holy Spirit. So for those who have seen the Holy Spirit move and act and do miraculous things, and then to say, oh, that's not God. That's not right. That's not, you're walking in some dangerous territory, in my opinion. That's uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You got John again, right? <laughs> You're in chapter 16 still? John 16, 13, and 14. Read it again. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you personhood of the Holy Spirit. If you underline in your Bible, I do. Sometimes I'm hesitant when I get a brand new Bible, but I end up doing it anyway. Listen to this. Personal pronoun. He. I'm going to read it like this, Kim. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of His own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me, for he will take up what is mine and declare it to you. So the, there's the personhood of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus calls the Holy Spirit He. Yes, yeah, so we do. God the Father. God the Father. So, um, Right Next week Not only talking We might hit a couple of these But mostly we're going to be talking About the deity of the Holy Spirit Because we talked about the personhood of the Holy Spirit But we're going to talk about the deity of the Holy Spirit Because the Holy Spirit is God God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit Right So it's the deity of the Holy Spirit so, Jesus, not only did he call the Holy Spirit he, but he called him the comforter, the helper. This is on your questions. The comforter, the helper, the counselor, the advocate. All of those mean different things. The root of that word, paraclete, Parakletos, which is the Greek Uh, Means one called to the side of. I think that's really powerful when we're talking about the Holy Spirit being of the personhood of God. Because some inanimate force coming to your side is not the same as the person of the Holy Spirit coming alongside you. That is very powerful, in my opinion, to think about hey, it wasn't just a force of God. But the very person of the Holy Spirit comes along the side of us to help us, to comfort, to help, to be an advocate, and to be a helper. That's pretty powerful. We're going to go over the questions. Question number one. The theology concerned with the Holy Spirit is called what? Pneumatology. Pneumatology. What is the definition of trinity? God exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Question number three. The Holy Spirit is the what mentioned member of the Godhead. The least mentioned member of the Godhead in the Bible. The word spirit suggests an absence, I didn't say this, of what? Personhood. Body This also would be true. Question number five. Now the, these, this is one of the reasons why people have confusion because about the personhood of the Holy Spirit, question number five. The spirit is often associated with the idea of power. So sometimes when we say power, we don't think about a person, we think about a force. Question number six. Figures of speech in the Bible, well, I didn't go through this, that describe the Holy Spirit may imply the idea of blank or blank objects. Inanimate. Inanimate is one of them, or impersonal objects. Question seven. The Holy Spirit possesses what kind of attributes? Personal attributes, which are associated with the mind, will, and emotions. Question eight. The Holy Spirit performs what kind of acts? They are miraculous, but they're also personal, is what I should have stressed, because of the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Question nine. The Holy Spirit may be personally what? Offended. Yes. Yes. Uh, question 10. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the what? Comforter. Well, there's one word, and then that means four different things. Paraclete. It's a Greek word. Paraclete. paraclete. Yes, paraclete. Uh, paraclete. P A R A C L E T E. Paraclete. So Jesus called the Holy Spirit the paraclete, which means those four different words Comforter. Counselor, helper, and advocate. Question number eleven. What kind of pronouns, I should have said, did Jesus use to describe the Holy Spirit? Masculine, right? Masculine. He.